Welcome to Get Your Rocks Off with Mick Wall, the world's leading rock and metal writer. Each week, he'll unpack stories, stories that you won't find in print. So pour yourself a Jack and Coke and get ready to get your rocks off. This episode is brought to you by the Get Your Store. For all of your Get Your Rocks Off merch, including t-shirts, face masks, and yep, Hotel Tropicana coffee mugs, head over to getyourstore.com. So, John. Yes. What would you say is your favourite funk metal band? I wouldn't necessarily say I had a favourite funk metal. I'm trying to think of funk metal bands. Oh, oh come on. I mean, you're, as a man because who we, was renowned back in the day... For his funkiness. For, for being very funky. Yes. People would say... <laughs> Still am. Have you, met, have you met John? Yeah, he's funky. And, and you'd come out from behind your desk and bust a move. Yeah. You would bust a move. Just can you gen- do one for me? Well, no, no, I'm kind of busting a move. Generally like... funky. Oh, gen- a sort of general funk. Yeah, like you know when you know someone walks in, you go, "Oh, there's a pretty there's funky a, guy." A yeah, he's a funky guy. Did you say cat? Yeah. Did you say cat? There's a cat who knows what he's doing. <laughs> there's a cat who yeah. knows where it's at. Exactly. That's the kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've never thought of you. Like no, that, but, strange but, though. Um, strange. I suppose that's because you're not funky. Uh, oh, Which is why I was surprised when oh. you, well, you, 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 in this legendary phone call you made to me, said, "Look, maybe we should do a show about funk metal," and I said, "Well, who, who, what bands have you got?" And you came up with three, and then oh, more than three. No, you said three, more and then you three. said, "What was the name of that band from Sweden?" Yeah, the Electric Boys. See, so, <laughs> that's it. So you came up, you came up you. with four. I was testing it. Yeah. No, 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 no. In fairness, in fairness. I came up with four. Well, go on, electric... what were the four? Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red Hot Chili Peppers, number one. Faith No More. Faith No More, number two. Extreme. Oh, Extreme, that's right. Yeah, I've forgotten about them. Dan Reed the Network. The Dan Reed Network, yeah. And that's that lot from Sweden that yep. you identified as the Electric Boys. The Electric Boys, Boys yeah. Being Connie a kind of Electric Boom. Boy yourself. Exactly, and because I've reviewed recently an album either by them or the people that used to be in them, and it was quite good. It was quite good. You don't, still even know who, you don't even know who they were. It, it was either the Electric Boys or <laughs> their follow-up You reviewed group. it. It was the Electric Boys. You actually Boys. listened to it. I listened to the whole thing. And then wrote about it. Several times. We still don't fucking know I can't who they are. What the, it could no. have been the Electric Boys. No. That's because I got an email this morning saying, did I want to review an album by Biff Byford and his son? <laughs> <laughs> son of Saxon? Yeah, yeah. And I hope Get, you said yes. It all goes back to that, you know, it's like Biff Byford and Sons. You can imagine it as a shop window. Byford and Sons. <laughs> Isn't it Bifford? Not to me. Oh. Well, you're posh. That's the trouble. You're posh. Yeah. But to, you know, normal scum like me. I think he Bifford. always tried to say he was Biff Bifford, but never caught on to it. He's, no one's ever called him Biff Bifford. I think he started as Bif, Bifford. Right, but then it got better, got bit of Biff Byford, that works. It, no, Biff no, Biff Byford. Bifford works. Biff Bifford doesn't work. Biff Bifford works. Biff Byford works. Yeah. Biff Bifford would work if it was like, you know, Peter. Singer in Saxon. No, if it was like Peter, inverted commas, Biff, close inverted commas, Bifford, that would work. But Biff Byford. Well, yeah, but if Biff is a derivation of... Well, it is, it obviously is. Well, then it's is. Bifford. It is, but, or it'd be Biff, Bif- but Biff Bifford. isn't spelt with a Y, is it? So it doesn't work. That's what I'm saying. Is Bifford spelt with a Y? Yeah, Biff Are Bifford. You sure? Yeah. 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 See, Biff's be... a funky guy. You know, you can imagine him <laughs> doing a funk metal album. Seven forty-seven. And here, and here's Flea on the bass. (laughs) (laughs) Stallions of the Mm. Highway. Come on, Flea. Because that was the thing about funk metal. You had someone who did that. Well, you had someone who had to play the bass. Yeah, I think that goes without saying. Yeah, it's like saying F1 bloke had a car. Yeah. 
Diddy, yeah. funk, yeah. you might as well call it bass metal. I mean, that's yeah, what they, funk they, is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, sort of. So let's explore the yeah. exciting world, world of funk metal, which had existed long before the period we're going to address. I mean, if you go back to the mid-70s when uh, disco mm. and... Kiss. Uh, Kiss. I was made for loving you, baby. There's some fun You see, that's an interesting point. I think what you're saying there, I mean, I wouldn't say this, Mm. but what you were saying earlier and again there is that Kiss were basically the godfathers of funk Funk metal. metal. Yeah, yeah. There's no way they just jumped on the bandwagon briefly (laughs) to get a hit. If you think you love me and you think I'm sexy, come on, baby, let me know. What's that? It's a precursor. Is it? I, w- precursor. I would say you're more, more like sort of Mother's Finest and people like that, you know. Oh, it rings a bell. Was that a group? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a black group, wasn't it? Yeah. That played funk rock metal. And metal. Yeah. But were they funk metal? Yeah, sort of, yeah. Okay, let me ask you another question. Were Living Colour? Yes, I think funk they were. I would metal. say they were, yeah. What's your favourite colour, baby? Living colour. What's your favourite... But at what the was, same the, what was time the one about that? You can burn a building down, but you can't erase a memory. No, no, great. That was good. I've forgotten all about them. They were good living colour. Yeah. Bring it on. And who were the other lot? The, um, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Who were they? Uh, Rage Against the Machine. Oh, yeah. Them. That, yeah, Don, 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 fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Yeah. Them. Yeah. That was the only hit. That's the only one you know, isn't it? It's quite it? a good Let's one. Let's be fair. Yeah, it was. Fuck you. Yeah. Was it fuck you? Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. No, I don't remember seeing that on Top of the Pops. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think it got on. But was there that was that. The... There was that one. That was good. And there was, um, I thought of another one as well. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's break it down. Yeah. So we know that, that would be funk, a very funky thing funk, to do. <coughs> break it down. <coughs> now break it back up again. <laughs> that's how it goes. That's how it that's goes. That's how we do it. Yeah. That's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go, I mean, Jimi Hendrix. Well, I would. I, 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 I would. I would say. I would say the. I'm pre- saying it. Jimi Hendrix. But the precursor. Godfather of exactly. Funk but metal. the precursor of the sort of modern funk metal. You would probably say would be Prince, wouldn't you? Who did a bit of rock and a bit of funk, and he could blend the two quite well, or very well, you know. But yes, but he he was too eclectic and too diverse to be Prince to be just pegged a, down. But a just the dream that Jimi Hendrix. Well, he had. sort of was, but the, but Prince had a lot of the elements he would use periodically that ended up in funk metal. You know, they're kind of like, um, raucous. Oh, 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 yeah, go, but go, yeah, go. but the, the but also the kind of raucous guitar solos, the rock edge, oh, totally. the clothes, all yeah. of that stuff. That all of that kind of. Came I would from call Prince. Prince funk rock. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because you, well, you. No, no, split, I'm not. I'm not. Hairs, I'm not make, no, I'm not doing that. I'm saying there is a difference. But he also did brilliant pure pop. You know, she wore a yes, yes. Very yeah, You couldn't pin him down. Just no to, to funk one thing. Rock you can't. Or... So, but elements of his music were in funk rock. Definitely, definitely. 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 I think though. Uh, it's good because I, I'm th- as you're saying this. I'm thinking, you think you think yeah. yeah I think as thinking. you're saying this, I'm thinking you're thinking one of other, the, other one things of the, I could one say. One of the defining characteristics of funk metal, and we're now talking about that moment in the late '80s, early '90s, yeah. um, is that with the exception of Dan Reed, mm. uh, I don't think network. any any uh, there weren't many black people in funk metal. You know, there are no black well, no, people living colour. Yeah, Mother's Finest, Jean Beauvoir, you know. Is that funk metal, though? I suppose it is. I'm thinking more like extreme. Or, I was going to say Faith Amor, but their original singer, Chuck, who was amazing. Yeah, uh, Yeah. He was amazing. But then there was, you know, I mean, um, yeah, I sort of see what you say, because I would also think kind of a bit, though not a lot, you know, there was... uh, a protege of Prince called St. Paul, who was this you know, fantastic kind of blonde guy who was a, it was kind of like funk AOR. It was amazing. Funk Pre- AOR. Yeah, protege of Prince. With sort of and I think journey Jean, and it, meets yeah, Prince. Yeah, it was, yeah. And I think Jean Beauvoir did a couple of records that were a bit like that. John Butcher, who did the John Butcher Axis, he was a bit like that. 
you know, where you had AOR but kind of blended a bit with Did funk. any of these people have hits? Yeah, of course they did. Because I've never mind. heard of any of them. Well, why are you doing a podcast about funk metal then? Well, I will tell you. Yeah, go on. I will tell you right now. Because I think the more accurate way to describe it would be metal funk. Okay. Because Living Colour, that's a really good example. Living Colour, I don't think, were considered funk metal. I think the first thing people, white people said about Living Colour, the white rock audience, the mainly white rock audience... Uh, thought about Living Colour was here's uh, a black band playing rock music, like Zeppelin-level rock music, or Sabbath or whatever. Mm. Um, Whereas what we're calling funk metal, and I'm now going to call metal funk, why that caught our attention was because these were white guys funking it up, but with some hard-ass guitars. Yeah, true, true, I suppose, yeah. When I asked Anthony Kiedis um, if the Chili Peppers were more funk or more rock or metal, he was adamant that they were more funk. And definitely, they they got the funk, definitely. But they've got the funk with John Bonham on drums, you know. Mm. They, they, I mean, Chad Smith is is, is of that school. They don't have... um, and then got James Brown's drummer. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's still rock, but with that funk element. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers audience was ostensibly a white uh, rock audience when they broke big, MTV and all that. Uh, Faith No More, I would argue, were even more metal because, you know, uh, they used to end their show with War Pigs. Yeah, yeah. But what made them really good was they, like, a bit like Prince, they just were so versatile. Mm. They combined many, many elements. You've got skate in there and punk. Yeah, yeah. And you get to extreme. And I don't think... Who, the ironically named extreme. Yes. There's very little extreme about <laughs> Well, you know, uh, you're right. Very little extreme about mm. them. And they were just the, you get all these things in movements like funk metal or anything that you then get the corporatization of it and it gets packaged and sold into something that essentially is just the same as everything else but with a slightly different edge that was extreme yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, you know that they're famous on get the funk out you know that was a great was that then yeah oh yeah it was fuck yeah, yeah mate yeah. if you don't like what we're saying Get the funk out, and horns. Yeah. A fantastic track. But how do they become famous? More than words. Yeah. An acoustic pop battle. That, which could have been, it was so boring, it could have been Journey. Yeah, that's a scene and love Lighters. Yeah, terrible. Baby... Something or other. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Rubbish. Rubbish. But yeah, but there's a, so there's a big... So what you're talking about is a great scope between sort of faith no more at one end. You know that. Uh, what was the... Uh, what the that keyboard riff, wasn't it? It was great. You came from out of nowhere, and my life turned to a Have you ever heard That's how it went. Which song was that? From out of nowhere. Oh, okay. okay. That's an album track, from wasn't it? out of nowhere. But their big hit, which dan dan, how did it go? Epic, remember? Dan dan dan. I don't know that. Something one. like yeah, the big hit. I don't know. I don't know it. Epic. The big I don't know hit. it. Who are we talking about? You got it all, and I want nothing. It was funky, but it was definitely in the rock. Yeah. I mean, Big Sick Jim. Big Martin, Sick Ugly Jim. Big Sick Ugly Jim Martin, who looked like Crusher on steroids. Yeah. Um, 
great guitarist. Yeah. He could have, best friend was James Hetfield. Yeah, but he eventually got this kind of nudged out. Because they pussied out. Yeah, because he wasn't funky. Well, that's what made them great, though. They were funky, but he added that extra element. Yeah. I mean, he really was... To me, it was it was it was like genius that you had that one guy in there. Yeah, he represented the metal mm. nation. Because when they had Chuck Mosley, what was that? Oh, it was that B E A G G R E S S I V E? B aggressive, wasn't it? That was great. That was funk metal. That was funk metal. Yes. Yeah. That, was that their second album? Yeah, it was the first or second, wasn't it? Yeah. I never really heard the first. B aggressive. The, sec- oh, B, the second aggressive. album was Introduce Yourself. Yeah, but and that, that had we care a lot on it. Oh yeah, that again. Dun, there was no we, dun, we dun, care dun, a lot. That's where Jim came in. Yeah. So they're like, oh, ga, go, 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 go. but then as soon and as then, and then Jim comes in, yeah. yeah. But then uh-huh. as soon as Mike Baldwin joins, uh, not Mike Baldwin, Mike Patton. Yeah, Mike Baldwin's already in it. Yeah, Mike, Pat, Mike Patton joins. They do then get the kind of the keyboard riffs and it changes a bit. It becomes a little more poppy. It becomes a bit more what we call successful. True. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, Faith No More, who Anthony Kiedis, when I interviewed him, had a real bee in his bonnet about Faith No More. <laughs> I bet he did, yeah. Because in his mind, they were stealing the Chili Peppers' thunder. <laughs> and he goes, you know, that new singer... Because the Red Hot Chili Peppers never nicked anything, did no, they? No, God, no. No, no, no. no. Uh, <laughs> um, he said, that singer, he goes, when I meet him, I'm going to cut his feet off. Because he insisted that Patna got all these kind of on-stage dance moves from Anthony. Oh, really? Yeah, I would have said was... totally had. Oh, I hadn't really seen it. I wouldn't have really been watching. He totally had. Yeah. But like Anthony Cadis, totally. I don't know. He's a kind of odd character, wasn't he? I wouldn't say Anthony Cadis was funky. He just took his shirt off a lot. And oh, they put no, the, put no. The, he put definitely the, had the, the funk. Put the, the sock, sock over on his, his dick. Enormous yeah. cock. Yeah, and just yeah. went dancing around. Yeah. I've got to tell you quickly, um, the first You, you time... went under the bridge with him, I heard. <laughs> I've got to tell you this story. Go on. That involves a mutual friend who we shall not name. No. But uh, is a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> Back in 1990 in LA at Ye Old Sunset Marquee. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, we were talking on another podcast about how years ago, Melody Maker, the pop stars would come to them and make an appointment. It got to the stage in the late 80s, early 90s, where literally I just sat at the Sunset Marquee and they would come yeah, to me come, and I would interview yeah, them. Yeah. Same with Anthony. So that particular trip, I've got a poolside room and the, it, the sliding door is open. Yeah, yeah. And he literally just appeared in the doorway. But that would happen all the time. Mm. He'd go, oh, it's my 12 o'clock. It's yeah. Anthony Kiedis. Yeah, you know? here he is. Um, and you'd order them food on room service because all of that was taken care of. And a lot of these people weren't huge megastars yet, so they needed feeding. I remember giving Anthony Kiedis a book, a CD. What book did you give him? Celine. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Journey, Journey to, to the, the End, end of, of Night. night. Yeah. And I gave him a CD of a group called... That'll it. blow his tiny mind. Because he was a Bukowski fan. Wasn't huge he? Bukowski yeah. fan. That's yeah. why we've been talking about it, and that's why... And there's a face on the cover, and he goes, God, it even looks like Bukowski. Yeah. Um, and I fed him. I remember he had an omelette with egg whites only. Yeah. And I said, why is that? Because he's bulking up, protein. He goes, it's my sex diet. Yeah. He goes, I've got a new girlfriend who was a, a, is a model. He said, and uh, he goes, you know, she demands sex eight or nine times a day. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. He goes, so I have to have the egg whites. I went, okay. Okay. I said, do you work out? Because yeah, he had those huge muscles. Yeah. I said, so do you work out? So he goes, no. Yeah. He, goes, that, he goes, that's just the sex. Yeah, yeah. He starts to impress up smoothness. By which time I'm now laughing yeah. so much. Um, uh, so we do the interview, and at the end of it, we've got to go to this mutual friend's photographic studio oh, elsewhere yeah. in LA, yeah. and uh, where the rest of the band will be for a photo session. And uh, I'm going to go with just to, you know, hang out, facilitate. Yeah. Um, and we drove there in Anthony's car, which was just f- f- horrible piece of shit jalopy. How we got there, I don't know. Yeah. We get there. And, you know, one of the great things about them is they were always very, very aware of visual presentation. Yeah, yeah, they were. That's true. These days, everybody is. But back then, it was, I mean, when they did the Dominion Theatre in mm. London about a year before that, 
I remember going there in the afternoon and they were they were all four of them were painting the stage yeah. and painting the backdrop. It was all about that. Yeah. And so they'd arranged for this photo session to have um uh headdresses and uh, what we now refer to as native american mm. indian uh clothes. You'd never get away with that these days. Well, they, and it's they, essentially, you know, it's like blackface. Is it? Yeah, is red it? face. Yeah. You can't go, whoa, 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 whoa. you can't do that. John, no, don't do that. God. You know, I, I'm not comfortable with that, right? Can I just say right now, as a sort of thing, gets you cancelled. Shut up, Coco. Um, all this stuff turns up. They've got their various minions bringing mm. this stuff into this person's photographic studio. And he's looking at it. <laughs> he's looking at it with distaste. Yeah. Because right? he just wants them all to take all their clothes it's off and stand in the off, fucking yeah. toilets Get and be fleet, photographed. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like everyone else. Mm. And so uh, I walk in with Anthony. The other guy's already there. and They're trying on their gear. And, and this particular photographer says to Anthony, he goes, I like your red Indian clobber. <laughs> Anthony goes, sir. Uh, Native American. He goes, mm. that's what I said, Red Indian. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, at that point, I yeah. thought, you know what, they don't need me here. No, I, I thought I'd better go now. I could fuck off. Yeah, I? Yeah. I could just leave yeah. and I kind of just left. Because I could see the way this was going. I instantly yeah. saw <laughs> where this was going. This bond I built up with, built up with yeah. Anthony. It was about to shatter. Yeah, because yeah. he's going to go, those guys are the same. Yeah. Which, yeah. of course... You're not, no. 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 You're under the bridge downtown. <laughs> that was a great song, though. I mean, that... They broke, wrote many great... They did, but they did, but they they worked for a while, didn't they, with kind of semi-hits. They sort of... It took a long while. One of the last, probably... I mean, now you don't get that amount of time. You're one of the last bands probably to do three or four records before they actually broke big. Totally. They, uh, I think, at least four albums. So on EMI Capital... Yeah. It was the first album... The second album. Which was funky, styly. Yeah, the third album. Which and then was, there was the one everyone knew. Hang on, no, no. There was the first album, then there was funky, styly, then there was a third album. I can't remember the... Mother's Milk? No, that was the fourth album. Fourth album. And then they left EMI Capital and they went to Warner's. Yeah. And they had Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Which was an actual hit. What we call in the business a hit. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Blood sugar magic, sex magic, and old Anthony's doing his. Oh, the one I got his chest out for that. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Yeah, all that stuff. Flea doing his. Flea, no one ever knew much about Flea. How old was he? He could have been any age. But we knew he could. Kind of wizened face, but a spectacular body. Yeah. And he could leap like 50 feet in the air, like, like a, a flea, flea. like That's a real right. flea. He was a wow, real flea. Wow, but he had a bass on him. He was Amazing. a bass-playing human yeah. flea. Then there was the guitarist who was just the junkie who kept getting kicked out. John Frusciante. Yeah, John Frusciante. He was a great guitarist, but kept getting kicked out because he was a junkie. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Chad Smith... Who's just a dead ringer for Will Ferrell and has done that kind of <laughs> amazing well, skit with Will Ferrell? Have you seen it? Well, the thing is, you know, he he is Will Ferrell. Yeah. I mean, people don't realise that, but Will had this side career as a folk yeah. metal. Well, they did, have you seen the skit they did on the? No, no, they no. Did, I was on. So it was um, who's the late night presenter? The younger guy, not not Jay. What's his name? Um, oh, um, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, Jimmy Fallon. That's it. They did a skit on Jimmy Fallon where uh, Will Ferrell pretended to be Chad Smith and Chad Smith pretended to be. Oh Will no, Ferrell. I did see that. And on they the have stage. they have a drum off. Yeah, and they, they, have a drum and they off play um, "Don't Fear the Reaper," and it's really good because it's got the cowbell. Because <laughs> years ago on Saturday Night Live, one of Will Ferrell's breakthrough moments was when they did a, a sketch about. Don't fear the reaper. Oh, okay. And Will Ferrell plays the cowbell. cowbell. Yeah, yeah, because it's just. And, yeah. they, and they have Christopher Walken as the producer. <laughs> less yeah. cowbell. Yeah. And you, less and you cowbell. can't have less cowbell on Don't Fear the Reaper. You <laughs> just can't. And he's just. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so you got him. So it's an interesting. And then Kiedis has his drug period, doesn't he? Kiedis. Well, Kiedis' drug period was 
before success. Was it? Oh, was it? Because um, he was upset about the photo shoot. The original lineup: Anthony and Flea, but the drummer was Jack Irons. Oh, that's right, yeah. Who later on was in Pearl Jam for two minutes. Two seconds, probably. Pre- prior to success. Mike Abruzzisi. And the guitarist was Hillel Slovak. Yeah, who came back, didn't he then came back or something? He oh, he died, didn't he? So he couldn't come back. No, they, they brought him back, they but it just back, but didn't work. Didn't work out. And then they got Frusciante, who was also a drug addict. Well, I think Frusciante <laughs> became a drug addict. Yeah. Um, yeah. he wouldn't have got the, the job otherwise because Kiedis was a junkie Hillel his best mate was a junkie yeah. um, but Kiedis was one of those junkies who like, looked a million dollars a bu- he said yeah. to me I've always, I was always yeah. a very buff junkie yeah, yeah like Nicky Six you know, <laughs> looked like they'd never seen a drug in their life Kiedis because the man had yeah. Yeah. he had a washboard stuff yeah. Not I mean, like he, he obviously was taking in some form of protein <laughs> There must have been yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I want whatever drug he's yeah, having, yeah. please. Yeah. Um, but Hillel dies, and that's when they bring John John Frushanti in, and that's when they do, I know what it was, the Upfo... Oh, the Uplift Mofo party plan. Yeah, yeah. you're right, yeah. Was yeah. That the th- I think it was the third album. Oh, I think it was, yeah. I think the I first one was just called know. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, no, we know that, John. Yeah. We know. But you try. I try. The thing to. is, you try. Tell me about Blood I, I only like them when Blood Sugar <laughs> Sex Magic came out. That's when I started liking well, them. Well, like, you're, you're kind Blood of Mr. Sugar General Magic. Public, aren't Six you? Six Emerging. You're more kind of Mr. Mainstream. I'm not claiming the hits, man. I don't want to hear Unless the, it's on MTV. It doesn't the boring exist. stuff you stuff, went through to get. No, which brings us no. nicely, Which brings us nicely onto Dan Reed Network. Yes, Because, now, you know, Dan, it was all about the hits. Well, you mentioned Prince. Oh, to me, say, Dan, I think you can say priest then. To me, to me, Dan Reed, um, I think there clearly was some priest influence in there. You know, I think he was a Rob Halford fan. Influence. Influ- <laughs> influencer. Um, but to me, Dan Reed was kind of like, like essence of Prince distilled. So, so yeah, like you but said, put into a rock form because well, he had long hair. Yes. Well, briefly. you said Prince could do anything he and could, he could. Yeah, yeah. Dan could do two of those things. Yeah. Funk yeah. and metal. Yeah. But he was an amazing looking guy. He had that incredible yeah. hair. He had amazing, like Millie yeah. Vanilli hair, didn't he? He did, he had amazing hair, yeah. In fact I think he was in Millie yeah. Vanilli. <laughs> could easily have been. Before they broke. Yeah. And and luckily he'd bailed. Yeah. But was he not a protege of John Bon Jovi somehow? I can't remember the there's Ooh, some there's sort of connect- ease, yeah. there's a glimmer there, isn't there, that Bon Jovi had Same something label. to do with him being Same signed. Label. Yeah, it was something to do with him being signed. It was either Bon Jovi or his great personal friend Richie Sambora had recommended them. To, I, I don't know, but yeah, there's, there's to the label there's some somehow vague memory. Yeah, but they put the. It always comes back to the music, and they put out an album or an EP, there was a mini album. There was something I remember. And it basically was kind of essence of Prince. Yeah, well, it started, Prince I think the first record... Got rid of everything but the rock. The first record started with a rap. started with uh, damage. Do you want to stay alive? Do, 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 go do, on, do, how do, did it go? Go on. That's the only bit I can no, remember. No, come on, no, do it again. That's how it went. It was called The World Has a Heart too. That's how it you went. You know your Dan Reed. I do know my Dan Reed, yeah. And, it, and, and so the first album had this kind of... was pretty funky. The second album, which was Slam... Was kind of Slam. was kind of purpose built for hits, for hits, but it just came along at the wrong time. You know, there was some great. So that was the one that had Rainbow Child. Yeah, why do you say, say the, hello to the Rainbow Child? See, I think it was perfect timing. Here's what went wrong. What? If you look at the video for Rainbow Child, you'll yeah, see yeah, I know it, what you're going to say, but let's just go through what songs are on the album first. If you said it was there. bad timing, that isn't why. It well, wasn't okay, it. okay, yeah, yeah. What happened was, I thought it was perfect. Yeah, yeah, they they, they built 89. this record that essentially had elements of Bon Jovi, it had elements of, you know, AOR stroke, great balladry, it had a stronger yeah. than steel. Our love is higher than a mountain. You know, you're stronger than Reed. steel. That one, it had Rainbow Child, it had Lover. <laughs> So it had like two or three big ballads on there that could have been hits. Had a couple of big up tempo songs that could have been hits. You know, Slam itself and what was the other one? It was a really good song. Can't remember what it was now. It'll come to me in a minute. But so it had this had all the elements you would want for a record that goes into the charts. And then you go, here's single number two. 
Here's single number three. But, Here's single number four. But, you know, by this point, you're on the road and you're headlining. Weren't they also managed by Peter Mensch? Maybe that was it. I they think named, that's they, the connection. I yeah, don't know if it was Bon Jovi so Maybe much. Maybe it was so much it was Mensch, yeah. Yeah, because I think there was almost a Def Leppard component yes, post-hysteria. Yes, yes, there could well have been, because I'm just kind of a post-modern, post-rock, yeah, post-funk. because there was a really good kind of up-tempo song on that record, and I'm trying to think what it was, but could almost have been hysteria. You yeah. Know, it was that sort of thing. Yeah. But then one fateful night... And, and we should also, just to set the scene before this, the girls loved Dan Reed. Ex- I mean, there's extraordinarily no, you know, good-looking guy. Yeah, it, was, it, was, you know, it wasn't a sausage fest, that band. It wasn't a kind of 80s, you know, Scorpions-type audience. It was very much the Bon Jovi meets... Lots of girls. You know, yeah, Lots it, of girls. Yeah, or, or yeah. Leopard always had girls. Yeah, Leopard, yeah. It was that, that was the audience Dan Reed were going for. And hitting the and, target. And getting, yeah, yeah. But yeah. also being slightly more, at the time, considered contemporary because of the funk. Because it had the funk thing, it was new. It was, it was like, you'd had, a you'd had Bon Jovi. Yeah. Really, um, yeah, were good musicians and all of that stuff. But you had the, you had, you'd, you'd had Bon Jovi. And they, yeah. You're you, not going to get off this Bon Jovi no, no, because, kick, because, because they were kind of related in that here were rock singles that would be hits. Bon Jovi had the big hits in sort of 85, 86. Now we're in 87, 88. What's next? It's not going to be a Bon Jovi facsimile. It's going to be Bon Jovi with a twist tacked onto the side. And the twist is this slightly funky edge okay. that Dan Reed I, has. I totally disagree with well, all of that. yeah, but then you're wrong. <laughs> okay. Factually, yeah, go on, Bon Jovi then. didn't have their first hit till '86. That is what I just said. No, That's what I just fucking said. '85. Oh, for 86. God's sake! I bet it was '85. I bet it was, was it. it I bet it was '85. Exactly when it was. Go on. October '86. No, you'll be wrong. You there. give love a bad you'll, name. You'll be wrong there. Go on. Anyway. Will I? Anyway, on did, you it, go. did that come out in '85? <laughs> did it? I, I never knew that. They had one before "Love a Bad Name." What was the one before that? Nothing. They've never was, had a what hit was the other so, What was the other hit on that album? Living on a Prayer. Oh, Living on a Prayer. Wanted, yeah. Dead or Alive. Yeah, never right. Say Goodbye. Have you ever heard Bon Jovi? <laughs> and then by 88, again, yeah. pre-Dan Reed in terms of awareness, New Jersey oh, comes out. New Jersey. Dan Reed has his moment in 89. Yeah. Well, anyway, okay, so I've got the years slightly wrong, but the orders... Yeah, right. I, I, I think we just take Bon Jovi out yeah. of the, the equation. Go okay. Def Leppard. Def Leppard, yeah. Prince. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, Prince is before Def Leppard, isn't he? Yeah, but in 89, he's still huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's still playing but the guitar. What, and... Yeah, but hang on, what had he just done in 89? He kind of moved away from the rock thing, hadn't he? No, I, he'd no, done, no, he'd per, done um, he'd that done double per, album. Sign of the Times. Yeah. Yeah, big then, disease of the living but no, name. But, yeah, but then he did um, the album that had Raspberry Beret. What was that? Alfred no, no, Street. No, no, that was before. Oh, was it? That was before. I'm yeah. going You're not down, very good on your chronology. Because that's like, I'm going down do, 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 to Alphabet Street. That's a good little sort of funky. Yeah, that was on the follow-up album to Purple Rain. Follow-up album came out in '85. Yeah, I told you I was right. '85 was a big year. Bon Jovi, yeah. all of those yeah. guys. Dan Reed. Was Dan Reed was still a speck in the. He was eye managed by beholder. the same manager as Def Leppard, Metallica, Queensrÿche, blah blah blah, and he had access to that audience. So, so Kerrang magazine, where you and I were, we had him on the cover. Yeah. We were fully behind him. I remember playing his records on. I just show briefly on Capital Radio, yeah. and it was '89. It was all uh, get the funk out and all that stuff. Um, but here's what happens. So he's got the biggest, best management company in the world. You're absolutely right about he's locked down this wonderful audience where it doesn't matter if he's black or he's white or if it's funk or it's rock. He's got the songs. He's got the image. And then one crazy night. Now, I don't know if this is true, but I heard on the QT that uh, some lysergic acid may have been involved. Mm. Like, uh, he was in an altered state. During which, for whatever reason, he decided it'd be a really good idea to shave his head completely bald. Yeah. Now, these days, I think you could, you would have got away with it better yeah, now than you yeah. could. I mean, then. yeah, back then there were slightly worse things you could do. 
you could probably get, you know, a swastika tattooed in the middle <laughs> of your forehead. But beyond that... Even, what it, was his name? Glenn... Glenn Benton. Benton. That didn't stop him He's, being yeah, loved yeah, he, by No, it wasn't a swastika, it was an upside-down cross. cross. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, but, you know... Baldness was not a... Th- no, that's what I mean. It's like, be, be, even if he'd had a swastika tattooed in the middle of his forehead, he, he, could have covered, he could have covered it up with it. Yes, yeah, he's got... Okay, yeah. so he's got an upside-down yeah. cross can imagine, on his head. You can imagine. But he's so sexy looking. But, but I do remember, and it was like the record company had to go into immediate damage limitation. Is that your phone, John? It, Are we it, interrupting it, you today? Uh, in your mercilessly tight schedule. Let's get rid of them. Yes, the record company went into damage limitation. Damage right? limitation. But how can you... What, 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 they, put, what, you should have put a fucking they, wig they, on it. They, well, they, yeah, that's what they should have done. But they tried to explain it away. They did a new photo session. They did, they did yeah. You know, they did Dan with the border. And it was like, oh, Dan feels like the music is important. <laughs> it's not his looks that are important. It's yeah. the music. And yeah. all that. No, John Bon Jovi was the same. Yeah, I mean, he, like, you know, John he was shaved just, his he's head bald. The minute he heard Dan Reed had done it. His hair was off, mate. That's I, it. I remember, you know, talking to Axel, and, and he, he went, I'm, I'm going there. I yeah. said, mate, you already are. Don't yeah. <laughs> so Dan fucked it, and it was so not because it was a great band. It was know? like, so, it, it equated to self-harm. Yeah, that's what it was. And, and you uh, wonder if it was an act of self-sabotage if he just thought, this isn't for me. I mean, who knows? It does seem a desperately yeah. weird thing yeah. to do. A, a because young you've guy, got, yeah, you've well got the record. Feet. Yeah, the record's there. It's a brilliant record. You, you know, there are hits waiting to happen. Because, you know, just to remind everybody, there are many brilliant records and artists that not, never see the light of yeah. day or never get any success because uh, you have to have someone at the record company say, I'm going to push yeah. the button. Yeah. Spend the, the, money you know, on and, it was, and Damry, Damry were the next big thing. Totally. They were going to happen. Totally. They were going to happen. And then this, you know, this kind of catastrophe with what, the hair. Wasn't it and then he goes the... off to find himself, doesn't he? I think, well, he goes off to find himself with a P45 in his pocket. <laughs> uh, otherwise known as dropped by the label. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying that was the direct cause, but wasn't it literally the night before they did the Rainbow Child video? Is he I, bald in the Rainbow Child? He's thing? wearing a fucking turban. Oh, is he? If you go and look at the Rainbow Child video, oh, and they tried to make it a seem turban. as if yeah, it was yeah, always yeah, the plan. Yeah, yeah. So you've probably got a couple of other turbans in there. Yeah, on other people. Other guys. Oh, no, we're just yeah, in, yeah, a turb- we're in a turban. We're in a turban. Yeah, we're all, yeah. always What's, in the book. What says Rainbow Child more than than a turban? Yeah, exactly. I will dry, dry, dress as a Turkish potentate from the 15th century. Get a fucking purple turban on me head. Yeah. Purple turban, yeah, purple, purple turban. Which is a shame, it's a shame. Down. But then I think also because, I mean, really, the Chili Peppers got away, but they, they you know, they were, they were a rock act, but they were an act that could appear outside the pages of Kerrang. They could be in oh, yeah. sounds. They could, you know, yeah, they, you know, yeah, they could be in those. They were and, Lollapalooza. Yeah, they were Lollapalooza and they had hits. You know, once they'd under the bridge, they then went off and made sort of hit after hit. They were very good at those three and four minute pop songs. Californication. Yeah, Californication, that crossed over. Dream of Californication. A dream of Californication. And that all that fly away on my zephyr. All of those are all good songs. But they were but I mean they're not what you call funk metal, you know, they're just pop hits dressed up a little bit. Which is great. Which well, that is often fine. happens. Yeah, exactly. But my point is the moment for funk metal passes very quickly. You know, Dan Reed don't break big. The electric boys and all those Bands who've been kind of signed in the wake of Damry. There was a guy called Judson Spence who um, was on uh, Joe Headland's label, who they were, you know, Atlantic, they were going to push Judson Spence. He looked like Dan Reed. He kind of, you know, he had a kind of. Here's what he didn't have he didn't have the hits. He had hair, though. Uh, Lots of people have hair. It doesn't mean you get a hit. Yeah. I mean, um, here's my point is I, I don't think funk metal established itself enough to be one of those things you go, well, it began here. And no, here. that's what I mean. That's what I mean. I think if it had a record, if Slam had become, yes. you know, yes. like like um, 
Oh, what was the Bon Jovi album called? <laughs> slippery When Wet. Slippery When Wet. If Slam had become like Slippery When Wet, which was very much the plan, mm. then yeah, I yeah. think then I think you'd probably had another two years of. Can you imagine? You know, if the day before they went to the video for Living on a Prayer, yeah, John <laughs> John shaves his head. His head bald. Yeah. Imagine Doc McGee. Yeah, yeah, what would have happened? I mean, he would he would have had a wig on. There's oh, no doubt. Yeah, There'd totally. have been a wig until his fucking hair grew. If back. they'd have brought a turban in, yeah, Doc yeah. would have taken that turban yeah. and wrapped it around his yeah. fucking neck yeah, until right. it got yeah. very tight in That's absolutely true. And hair started to pop yeah. out of his head again. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think it's moment passes, which is unfortunate for those other bands that were quite good. You know, Faith No More went off on their own way. And they were more a sort of lollapalooza-y thing, weren't they? No, totally. But his, I think, is what it always comes down to in the end, which is... Faith No More, they lose Chuck the Singer, fire Chuck the Singer. I, I love Chuck the Singer. To me, they lost a little bit of edge when they lost Chuck, became a little bit more mainstream. Yeah, that's the way, it's the same no. way you like Paul Diano. No, I mean, I, it's just I, your thing. This is just your thing. <laughs> hey, I bow to no one in my admiration of Paul Diano. Yeah. But here's the thing. They do an album, the, Faith No More, they do an album, The Real Thing, they have the track Epic, which becomes a huge hit. And that's the last hit they ever have. You know, the, the album after that is uh, not as good. Did they not have a hit with Easy? Easy like a Sunday morning. Mate, you which and I would have take. a hit with Easy. Which is a bit of a piss take thing. No, hardly it? a funk metal anthem, no, it is it? No, the next album no, no, was no, good. No. The next album was good. It was was it Angel Dust? It was a good album. It just didn't it didn't have any hits. Yeah. Art for art's sake, hit singles for fuck's sake. Yeah. They didn't have another hit. That's what hit. you say, I didn't And say by that. the time you get to the mid-90s, when they should... Paythamore should have been the kings of new metal, if yeah. you like. Because that's where funk metal eventually yes, ends it did. up. Yeah. But they don't. Uh, Extreme, they followed up their big... The album with More Than Words and Get the Funk mm. Out on it. And it was a really good album. I'm not saying it was the greatest album ever, but it was a good album. The next album, you know what their next album was? Came out in 92. No. It was called Three Sides to Every Story. Oh, that's right. And it was a double album, but side of records, in the days of records. Side four was completely blank <laughs> because it was three yeah. sides. Good idea, that. What yeah. a terrible yeah. fucking idea. Guess what? Major flopperoonie, yeah. and within a couple of years of that, they're gone. Yeah, Gary Schroen ends up joining Van Halen for the worst <laughs> two albums Van Halen ever did. Yeah, did they do a second album? I don't, I don't even know. Did. No one cares. I don't they even did an album with him. No, they, they did an album. Yeah, with him. Yeah, oh, called it Van Halen Three. Oh dear, you never heard Van Halen Three? No, no, no. I haven't. If no. you don't like what David you Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar or Sammy Hagar, get the yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm doing this. Like Gary Sharon. <laughs> the man no one's ever heard of. Um, Dan Reed shaves his fucking head, blows his charge, and then he, he goes off to find himself. Yeah, he does, he? yeah. Still looking. Yeah. Well, like, mate, you didn't lose yourself. You lost your fucking hair. Yeah. That's what you lost. He, he still hasn't grown it back. Hasn't he? No, he's still bald. Is that because he can't grow it back? I don't know. Never asked him. Well, why not? I mean, surely that's question number one. Yeah, number one. What about the hair, Dan? Yeah. Yeah. Question number one. It's yeah. like when we sent Cheesy in to interview... Uh, um, whoever. You know that story, don't you? I've told, I've told that story before. Tell the it again. The singer of... Uh, he was that's in The Misfits. That's your trademark. He was in The no, Misfits. Glenn Danzig. Glenn Danzig. You, don't stop me yeah. if you've heard this one. Glenn Danzig. Yeah. I told you that story. Yeah, you did, yeah. We... Pers we persuaded Stefan Trazzi to go in and say to him, oh, I love the nose job. Yeah. I haven't had a fucking nose job. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. Let's do Even it again. Even better is the fact that he had. Let's do it to yeah. someone else. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, so Dan Reed fucks it. Extreme fuck it. Faith No More fuck it. Because by Angel Dust, they got rid of Jim Martin. Yeah, they? that was a bad move. Stupid. The fuck? Mm. Um, and then didn't, hasn't Jim Martin become a farmer? Is that true? Oh, I that... hope so. Yeah. Big, sick, ugly farmer. Yeah. Him, James Hetfield and Cliff Burton, because they're all from San Francisco. Uh, big, sick, ugly Jim. Big, sick, ugly James. Mm. And big, sick, actually not that bad looking Cliff Burton. 
used to go out hunting with guns, used yeah. to take, not James, because he's really not into drugs, but Jim and, and Cliff take acid, smoke weed. They weren't into, you know, heroin or anything like that, but they were into, you know, party drugs, if you like, but with guns mm, and yeah. macho beer. In fact, Jim had been in a band with Cliff. Um, so when they lost Jim, they, they lost... They lost everything that was fucking yeah. cool. They lost the metal bit. Yeah, and you've got to yeah. deliver the metal. Yeah. Deliver the metal. Deliver us from evil. Yeah. yeah. That's what you've got to do. Yeah. So I think the scene uh, suffered. And yeah, you're right. I mean, the Electric Boys, their problem was they didn't have a, they didn't have have a, a song no. that could be a hit. And, you're, and it does go off into this other kind of slightly alternative-y... Yeah, which becomes new metal, but it's also a bit of... Uh, but then grunge also. Grunge comes along. And uh, I mean, the other band I mentioned to you, and you're right, they're not really funk metal at all, but they're on that sort of arty scene with Jane's Addiction, who were very much in that L.A., same time as the Chili Peppers, same time as Faith No More. Make it appeal, heavy enough for correct. Well, yeah, that appealed so very much to the, the yeah, appeal like. to the metal crowd, but also appealed to the alternative crowd. And Perry Farrell, their singer, is the guy who starts Lollapalooza yeah. as this alternative festival. And Perry Farrell, inadvertently, is the guy who starts Ozfest. Yes. Yes. Because Ozfest came about because he told Sharon he wouldn't have Ozzy on at Lollapalooza. Because yeah. he was... Well, it was Ozzy, yeah. Because he was naff, because yeah. he was old-fashioned metal and all this stuff. And Sharon's like, yeah? So just to spite Perry Farrell, she starts Ozfest. Yeah. Guess what, Perry? It's three, Perry, it's three years later and Lollapalooza's bust and Ozfest is now the biggest travelling yeah. festival in America. Yeah. But... By the time we get to the late 90s, we've got new metal, which is a similar idea in the sense it's a, rock, a white rock band, but with rapping yeah. and with a, a kind of a funky, slightly funky edge. I'm trying to think of who the big new metal bands are. Limp Bizkit, obviously. Oh, I don't know. I've lost all track with them. Linkin Park. Yeah, who cares? Who cares who they were? <laughs> Jane's Addiction. Now, there was, a, you know, they were a kind of... Talk about the Chili Peppers being druggy. Jane's Addiction were dangerously druggy. And who you know. do the Chili Peppers bring in after Frushanti Bales? Yeah, Dave, Dave Navarro. Navarro. Who, yeah, who was the, obviously the guitarist in, in Jane's. And Jane's got made these massive out, you know, walls of sound. I remember going to see them. They came over here and there's a big sort of hullabaloo. A lullabaloo? Because, yeah, a lullabaloo. Because they were kind of dark and dangerous. And, yeah. and we went down, I think they were supposed to play... There was a venue in Labrook Grove or somewhere. I can't remember what it was called now. It was a little club. They were going to play there. And the only other band I ever saw there were talking to funk metal were The Time. Who were, oh, if you, yeah, wow, yeah. you saw them there. Yeah, who were amazing. I, I know there. the venue you mean. It's and tiny. I can't think what it was called. It's a tiny was it little club. The Portland. No, it wasn't. It was, it was called The Something. And it, yeah. it wasn't a pub. It was a, a, no, no, it was a venue. A venue. And I remember going down there and the time remains, we were all lined up outside. You weren't allowed in because the band hadn't arrived. And they did this thing where they pulled up in this van because there were about the nine. Time. Yeah, there were about nine people in the time. Purple, the film Purple Rain. The film Rain. Purple Rain, but Morris also, uh, yeah, Morris Day and Jerome. There was a guy yeah. called Jerome. And there was the guitarist, uh, and obviously that Jam and Lewis, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who were famous producers, were in the time. And their guitarist, whose name I can't remember, who made a really good funk metal album. Did Jimmy Jam and Lewis do anything with Dan Reed? I can't remember. They might well have done. Or, or they might have been lined up to do it. But they were a big kind of production team at totally, the time. Yeah. They were doing Janet Jackson and people yeah. like that. But the time with this kind of, you know, they were from Minneapolis, same place as Prince, and they were, you know, very much like Prince. They pulled up in this van, like Black Man, and the door opens. They all used to wear immaculate yeah, suits, yeah. but with massive shoulder yeah, pads, you know. Yeah. They all got out, and people just applauded <laughs> as they walked in. They were wearing fedoras and that, and they played this brilliant gig. They were so good. They had uh, they had this, uh, was it In the Skillet or something? They had this, In the Skillet. They had this brilliant... Yeah, but then Morris Day would stop and he'd go... Jerome, and <laughs> Jerome come up the mirror. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jerome used to come up and he used to go, Mois. He used to even call him Morris. He called him Mois. It was very good. But so anyway, seen the time. Jerome used to hold a mirror yeah. while Mois would comb yeah, his co hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was brilliant to see them. They were great. And, the, and Jane's Addiction were going to play in the same place. It was the only other time I went there. 
troop all the way down there. It's going to be brilliant. You're all in there waiting for the band to come. Three of the band come on. Perry Farrell's lost his voice in inverted oh, commas. Right, okay. I.e. just stuck a yeah, freaking needle yeah. in his arms out yeah. of it backstage. Yeah. So they set up a gig at the Marquee a couple of nights later to try and salvage this thing. Went and saw them there. And Jesus, they were amazing. Just incredible. One of those nights where you go... I was equated to the same... I saw the King, King's X at the Marquee as well when they first came over. It was just one of those nights where you think... They, they, this band are just so good. How are they not going to make it? And it turns out Jane's Addiction did, King's X didn't. But well, there you I, go. We're going to cover King's, King's X when we do our American edition of the Nearly Band. Yes, because to me they are one of the great Nearly, possibly well, the greatest. Probably because they're so influential. You hear their sound in so many different other bands' music. We will talk about them in depth, but just on that point with Jane's Addiction, here's, in my opinion. There are two reasons why King's X didn't make it. And we'll get into that, so I'll, mm. save, I'll save the big discussion. But one of those reasons was on stage they didn't have that impact and presence that a Perry Farrell and yeah. Dave Namari... Because they're all playing about six instruments, you know. Yeah, but like they Rush, were nice yeah. people. Doug yeah. Pinnock was a, a nice guy. A lovely guy, guy yeah. You, you don't want a fucking lovely guy when you go and see a serious band. You want catharsis. Yeah, you want Perry Farrell, who's dangerous and you dark. Want da- and you, you don't want even, Axel you Rose. Don't, you know, well, yeah, exactly. You don't even know if Perry Farrell's going to turn up till he actually is on the same with Axel, until they're actually on the stage. Back then, I'm talking about back in the day. You didn't even know if they were going to fucking turn up, you know. And what, so when they did, there's yeah. this. And, and what's more, like I say, that gig at the I can't remember what the bloody place was called. It was called, called like sure. the Portland Hall, or yeah, uh, it was yeah, a it was, I, I, yeah, something. I can't something. remember. But you know, even the rest of Jane's Addiction <laughs> didn't know he wasn't going to turn up because they were on the fucking stage. You know, it's it was like that. Yeah. So it's that edge of danger, which you're right. Kings X didn't have. But, uh, but nonetheless, and there are reasons before that. We will we will return to mm, this. Yeah. Okay, maybe even in the next yeah. episode. Yeah. All right. I think we've come to the end of our. <laughs> if you didn't like what we just said, yeah, go fuck you. Take it up with Dan Reed, baby. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a review, share it with a friend, or plain old subscribe wherever you listen to it. To getcha some conversation online, follow us on Twitter at GetchaPod. Until next time. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want.